Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Teresa Greco. She is a happiness life coach, Reiki master, internet, TV, and radio show host. How are you doing this morning, Teresa? Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today and share a bit about your story and your journey with us today. I appreciate that and I appreciate you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on your show. So let's jump right in, Teresa. As I mentioned, you are a happiness life coach. You're also an author, an editor, and senior writer at two Canadian magazines. You're a motivational speaker. You are the host of an internet TV and radio show, an educator, a Reiki master, last, and of course, certainly not least, your mother. That is one hell of a resume. How do you prioritize and find the time to fit it all in? And how important as a serial entrepreneur like yourself is prioritization and organization to you personally? Thank you so much for your question. I managed to do all of those things because for many of them, I do them in part-time capacity. So none of them are full-time positions. Mm -hmm. So I do them, I pretty much juggle them. When, yeah. So some days I'm doing some work, like tomorrow, for example, I'm going down to the magazine that I work at and, and I'm doing my editor work <laughs> over there. The writing, I tend, I tend to do a lot of work from home I'm on the computer, a lot of writing and, and meetings from home. The teaching also, I do all online from home. I teach in Canada. I also have some kids in the US that I teach. So that's okay. all online. So the all online has made it almost, it's widened some borders and it's opened up possibilities that maybe perhaps the pandemic wasn't even possible because of the online capability. So that's exciting. Yeah, it just requires a lot of juggling. What (laughs) I do need to do, though, is I often have to take a step back and evaluate all the things that I'm involved in. And when it starts to feel overwhelming, is to ensure that the things that I love the most are at the top of my list. And the things that I don't, I mean, I love them all, but the Mm -hmm. ones that maybe a little less are at the bottom of the list and there are times they have to fall off and then I reintegrate them when I have capacity to do so so that's important is that it's for us to think about all the things we're involved in ensuring that we love all of those things because then I find when I get very overwhelmed is that some of the things that I love, all of a sudden I'm not liking anymore because then I'm so super busy. It's like, oh no, I, I like to do these things, but now I'm feeling like I don't because I'm overwhelmed. And so then I know, again, I have to take a step back and, and some of the things that are closer to the bottom of the list fall off for a while. And I'm, I'm sorry, I can't like, and then when I can integrate them again, then I do. Also as an educator, I don't work in the summertime. So that again, opens up space for me to pursue maybe some of those things, as I said, that fell off the list right. because I didn't have time for them. I can reintegrate them. 
So overall, I manage them, but there are definitely times I have to take a step back. And that's important because we have to understand that we have choice, even though we're involved in a lot of, we always have choice. That's right. And so I have choice <laughs> and I need to utilize that when I start to feel overwhelmed. <laughs> It is so important when you, when you are juggling that many things that you prioritize it and what's most important and down the list, like you said. So now I read that as you were approaching the age of 40, you went through and dealt with a a turning point in your life that caused you to ask some very deep and important questions of yourself. Can you share a bit about that personal journey and that turning point and what you think precipitated the cause for reflection? Thank you. So I think we all reach that fork in the road or that crossroad that, you know, sometimes it's an accident, sometimes illness. For me, it was the milestone of turning 40 Mm -hmm. that caused me to do that. So as it was approaching, it was a couple of years before that I was like, wow, like if I've arrived at half my life, let's say, am I happy living the life I am living? Is there more to life than just this? Can I imagine living the same life for the next 40 years? And for me, the important question was, am I living my life's true purpose and full potential? And it was in the asking of those questions that I realized that I was not happy and felt unfulfilled with my life and that it felt as though something was missing, that there was a void. But Brad, what didn't make sense and what was confusing and why I didn't talk about it was that my life looked perfect from the outside. So how is it that I have accomplished all the things that society, culture, family, religion tell you that you should accomplish to have a happy life? So I've accomplished all of those things and still feel as though something was missing. It didn't make sense. So very fulfilling career as an educator, educational technologies consultant, healthy family, our own home, cars in the driveway, vacations a year, lots of beautiful material things. And so I didn't talk about it with anyone for a long time, because if I said anything, it would be like, Teresa, what do you have to complain about? Your life is perfect. And so it was in the asking of those questions that, It allowed me then to begin my happiness journey with the implementation of the various principles and practices that I now write, coach, and speak about that it helped me to understand that the feeling that something was missing, the void that I felt in my life was the real me, that in living of my life, I had been living according to external expectations for who I was supposed to be. So I was trying to be the perfect mom, perfect wife, perfect daughter, perfect daughter-in-law, sister, sister-in-law, friend, and all the things that I needed to be wearing many different hats, trying to live up to everybody's expectations instead of myself, and then reaching a point where I had lost myself in the living of my life. And it was that phrase that I said during coffee with my friend that It was in that moment that it was like, I had never, I hadn't realized it until I uttered those words. Because again, she's like, Teresa, of course you're busy. You have so many things on the go. You're a mom, you're going to school, you're a teacher, you're like all these things. And it was like, yeah, but I'm not living my life on my terms. I'm living my life according to expectations set out by everyone else. And so it was in that moment of realization that I'm like, wow, I really need to make changes. I need to reclaim my life for me because I'm not living authentically. So when I said that it was the real me that was missing in my life is that I wasn't showing up as my true and authentic self in any of my places. Even as a mom, where I would say I was, you know, my raw self, but even that I was, 
I should do this because right. that's what a good mom does. I have to do this because that's what a good mom does. Right. And so it was on and on. I should, I have to, I should, I have to. And those now as a life coach, I know those are red flag statements that as soon as we find ourselves saying, I should do this because you know I'm expected to, my parents want me to, or this is what I'm supposed to be doing right away. We're supposed to like, so now when I do anything, I have to check in with myself all the time and say, is this my true and authentic self when I accept this? Is this really what I want to do? Or am I feeling pressure to do this from outside forces? Because I'm feeling a bit of like, should I do this? You know, do I have to do that? And then I'm like, oh. And the interesting thing is, is that when we start to respect and honor ourselves, that all of a sudden those around us respect and honor us too. And so all those people that I was trying to meet the expectations of, and they were always complaining, even though I was trying to do everything they wanted to do. Somehow they were always shitting on me yeah. at the same time. So it was like, I can't win. I do, I'm not doing what I want. And yet I'm doing what you want. And you're still complaining. And that was because the lesson in all of that was to get me to honor and respect myself That's to say, right. no, I don't feel like doing that today. And when I started to do that, all of a sudden, everyone's like, okay, okay, okay. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, <laughs> literally, it's like, miraculously, all of my relationships around me all seemed to heal all the issues I had all went away as soon as I worked on myself. And so people have to understand that it's always an inside job. Happiness is yes, is an inside job. But the things that are bothering us outside in our external world are always a reflection of what's happening within us. So right. if things are chaotic outside, it's because they're chaotic inside. There you go. Absolutely. So yeah. And it's important that we go inward and we start to, to do what we need to do for ourselves. And I've heard this from so many stars, you probably too, is that it's like miraculously thing like my issues with my partner, all well went away issues with my in-laws all went away with my siblings all went away I'm like this doesn't even make sense but it was all because I wasn't loving honoring and respecting myself in my life the way that I needed to and as soon as I stepped up to do that for me all of a sudden everything around me just all seemed to heal it's amazing would you say then that that is probably your biggest takeaway and the one piece of advice you would give to women right now? Because, I mean, let's be honest, I'm sure there are tons of women and women deal with this on a daily basis because of the fact that they are defined by their roles, as you mentioned, as a mother, as a wife, as a do- all the things, a nurturer, that it's just naturally inherent in women that all of these it's expected of women that these are all the roles that they play so would that be the biggest piece of advice you could give is to go within and work on yourself and love yourself that is at the core of everything it's loving ourselves because that as I said what was missing what I was searching for outside of myself to looking for love outside of myself because we're conditioned to do that we're conditioned to look outside for love for happiness for advice for guidance, for acceptance, for love, for respect, all of these different things. But meanwhile, they're all found inside of ourselves, but we're not conditioned to go inward and to connect with that love, peace, and happiness that we are. We're conditioned to look for it like in our possessions, positions, titles, degrees, relationships, experiences that, you know, when I acquire that, I'll be happy. When I find that perfect person, I'll be happy. When I get that perfect job, I'll be happy. And at the core of everything, this is the cool thing about why 
I wanted to be a happiness coach is that at the core of everything we do, it's because we want to be happy. Mm-hmm. Why do you want to have the big house? Why do you want to have the amazing job? Why do you want to have a family? Why do you want to, if you drill down, it's like, well, I just want to be happy. Yeah. And so it's like, we're conditioned to strive for things outside of us to achieve, to buy, to pursue, to wait for all of this outside of ourselves. Meanwhile, it's inside of us the whole time. And so what I would say is that we need to work on loving ourselves and all aspects of ourselves, Brad. So our physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual self that I was connected as most of us are probably to our physical, mental, and emotional selves, not even sometimes emotional selves. A lot of people are disconnected from their emotional selves because again, we go around very much with our rational mind. What do I think about this? What do I think about this? What do I think about this versus how do I feel about this? How do I feel about this will lead us towards our happiest life? What I think about this will not, it'll rationalize situations that are not good for us, because it makes a lot of money. So I should keep going to this job. Well, it's okay. He's had a bad day. It's okay. So I'm just going to take this disrespect and and maybe abuse in some cases. Oh, it's, you know, it's okay. She's going through a rough time when your friend, you know, really doesn't respect you or your time or, or whatnot. So we rationalize it by saying, instead of saying, I don't feel good here. Like my colleagues are awful. My boss mistreats me, but because it makes a lot of money, I stay instead of saying, well, no, I'm going to have my mind now figure out how it can obey what my heart is telling me. My heart is telling me this situation is not okay as I don't feel loved, respected and honored here. And then trying to figure out, okay, maybe I should go to like some job sites to see how I might be able to find something else. And it's amazing how the universe opens up for us that in that situation, we need to leave the doors are closing, the boss is miserable, the colleagues are awful, you're not feeling well, you're drinking alcohol, you're doing prescription drugs, like all of this to try to manage this life, which is like, this is not okay here for you. And so as the doors are closing, is that another one where you are meant to be will open for you, but we don't trust in that we continue to persevere in situations that are not okay. But Mm -hmm. if we honored how we felt that, as I said, would guide us towards our happiness, and it would guide us towards the life that we were meant to lead here. It's that our, our emotions are a compass always. And I say that happiness is a compass because happiness tells you when you're on course, happiness tells you when you're on purpose, when you're on purpose, it feels good. It's not about, am I living my life's purpose? This is a whole other episode, which was very cool to talk about. <laughs> yeah. That it's not about whether I'm, cause that was one of my questions is that, am I living my life's true purpose and full potential? And can you imagine with all of the things I'm involved in? Imagine how am I still feeling that asking the question and I living my life's purpose right. when I'm an educator and, t- and technology consultant and doing all these amazing things, right? Mm-hmm. Is that it's not about finding one true purpose. It's about always feeling on purpose with everything that we do, everything at whatever stage of life we are. We're, you know, when I was at home with my children more because they were younger, I was on purpose. That was what I needed to do right, at that in, time. in the course of my whole life at that period in time. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so it's like, we have to always ask ourselves, do I feel on purpose with what I'm doing? Is that, you know, with one of my clients, she also was a mom saying, I don't think I'm living my purpose. I said, 
listen, do you feel good bringing your kids to school and, and taking them to hockey and going on field trips and being able to help them with homework and, and driving them to their play dates? Do you feel good doing that? Or do you feel happy doing that? She said, yeah. And I said, well, that's you being on purpose right now. Will you be right. doing that 10 years from now? Maybe not because they're older. And then right. you'll find something else that allows you to feel on purpose. And happiness is that guidance. And so when we don't feel happy, we know that we're not in alignment with who we really are in the life that we want to be leading. Is that if we're feeling a whole host of negative, what we call negative emotions, they're not, they're not really negative, but they feel unpleasant to us, let's say, because we judge them as positive and negative, but yeah. they're really not. But nevertheless, those emotions tell us when we're not on purpose. Right, exactly. So when like we're you said, that, they're a compass. Yes. And when we're at our job and we're feeling miserable, we're not supposed to be here. Or, I mean, in every situation is different, right? Right. Is that, you know, a lot of it is, is mindset to having a positive mindset, our perception, mm-hmm. 99% of how we see the world is, is a perception. 1% yeah. is how it actually is. So we create stories in our head. We, again, we rationalize, right? Yes. Oh yeah. I, I can buy these designer shoes on my like <laughs> $500 a week. I can buy these. I'll just put it on credit. And, That's right. And like, this is what we do. Oh yeah. It's okay. It's okay. No, it's not really okay. Right. So again, if we always checked in with our emotional self, then it would offer us that guidance. So back to what, how I initially started that is that many of us, as I said, are living physically and mentally, let's say not always so much on the emotional, although we might feel emotional, but are we using that to actually guide us? In most cases, no. no, or a lot of people are stuffing and talking that they don't feel good. And they just put it in the closet, shove it under the rug, mask it with events and alcohol and drugs and all. Yeah. These right. And then there's the spiritual self, the spiritual self exists. It's that intuition, that gut instinct, that little small voice inside of you that's always guiding you towards who you're supposed to be and the life that you're supposed to be leading. It was a life that we designed for ourselves before we came here to have this human experience. And so that little voice is saying, no, you're not on path here. No, you're not on path. It tells us, but we don't listen to it because we're, again, we're not taught to Right. We're not conditioned to. I grew up Catholic, so close to religion, always wanting to to hear from God and connect with God. And and my religion told me it was at church. I said, oh, you know, if, if I pray to God at home as a little girl asking a lot, you know, questions of my priest and stuff, if I talk to God at home, is that the same? No, it's not the same. You need you to have to go to church. <laughs> That's where God is. What about yeah. if I talk to Jesus? If I pray in my room? No, you have to go to church. That's where God is. So God was always outside of me. And that didn't make sense. I said, how is it that the, that the essence of what created me, which is everywhere in, in everything, is at church? <laughs> In that one building, it doesn't yes. leave. <laughs> yeah, right. And that's where it was. And you know, of course, Jesus was in in the Eucharist in the little yeah. white little bread there. That's Jesus there. So it was through the process of meditation. It was that's the very first uh, practice that basically turned my whole life around because it allowed me to connect with my spiritual self, which is inside me, the source, God, the universe, whatever you call creator, it, yeah. whatever you want to call it, that's inside me, but my higher self is inside me, my spirit is inside me. And that part of me is whole, 
is perfect, is complete, is powerful, is invincible. My superpowers reside inside of that part of myself, which we are not conditioned to connect to. Right. If we are connected to that, Brad, it changes how we live in our physical world because the physical world breaks us down. Our physical world, as it did to me, told me I was not pretty enough, not skinny enough, not athletic enough, not smart enough, not enough of a lot of different things. Not enough, period. Period. And so when we connect to that part of ourselves, we know we are and that, as I said, we're invincible and capable of anything. Limitless. We, yes. And it's not a wonder that education and religion and government, and, you know, oh, it's woo-woo. It's weird. No, it's not. No, it's it's it true. It's tr- exactly. But they know that if we all went around thinking we were amazing and incredible and super hot and super. We couldn't uh, super be controlled. Right? Mm-hmm. 100%. So like, no, no. We're going to edge God out. That's what ego is, right? Edge God out. So we're just mm-hmm. going to edge God out of school. So we don't talk about that. And, and we're going to make it that it's weird and woo-woo. And, and oh, oh, we, you know, that, that stuff doesn't exist. You're crazy for thinking that. What's wrong with you? Yeah. And meanwhile, it's there. It's a very small voice that's always inside guiding us. Now, how that guidance communicates with us is individual for everyone. And yeah. so it's so important to recognize that our Physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual selves are always communicating with us. But do we listen to it? So when your physical self is sometimes screaming at you that you're in pain, and even then some people don't go and and get the care that they need. Right, Like this week, because I've overwhelmed myself, right away my physical self is like, Teresa, look what you've done. The weight of the world is on my shoulders. I am so tight up here, tight in my neck, tight in my shoulders. My head also feels a bit foggy today. I know that as soon as I feel like this, it's my body telling me, Teresa, you've taken on too much. I know because right away, that's how I start to feel. When I don't have the world on my shoulders, I feel lighter. I don't have these issues. My body feels better. So that's me listening to my body saying, yes, body, I know, I'm sorry. And then I have to do the self-care. So Going back to your question about what advice would you tell people? It's it's about loving all aspects of ourselves. And it's important to, to understand that it's not just when we say self-love is self-care. Yes, it is. It is do, doing the walk and the bubble bath and the massage and the Cairo and all it is. But it's not only that. That's right. That's right. right? Those it's aren't not, the only things in self-care. Yeah. And so often people don't want to go inside and look inside and do the work. And that's mm-hmm. a big part of the problem is not wanting to look inside, but absolutely everything starts with self. Self is the foundation for all of it. Absolutely everything. Yeah. And uh, just on that point, I know we don't, because we all have skeletons in our closet and trauma and the shame and the guilt and the rejection and the mistakes. It's on and on. We all have them. None of Uh us are immune to trauma. We've all had incidences in our life that has left an emotional scar. If we looked at happiness, let's say on a balanced scale, okay? Mm -hmm. On one side of the scale is our happiness. On the other side of our scale is our trauma, our shame, our guilt, our mistakes, our baggage on the other side. Now, if we don't deal with the baggage, if you could imagine that happiness on the other side is in balance with that. But as soon as we remove some of those skeletons, some of that baggage, and we start to forgive ourselves and others, 
we start to let go and release of some of that stuff, we start to work on some of that stuff, the happiness quotient on the other side goes up. So we might be thinking that, oh, yeah, I have a happy life. No, it's not actually as happy as it could be, if you actually dealt with the skeletons on the other side that as we slowly remove those and what's very cool is that the universe it doesn't bombard you and say here's all your shit at once deal with it (laughs) no it's bit by bit it's like i've been on this journey for 10 years the universe very slowly when you are ready brings things up for you to acknowledge and deal with and i always have stuff i had stuff last week that came up for healing that i wasn't expecting but some events happened that triggered again unworthiness and not enoughness again that stuff popped up in in some but that's going to pop up throughout our lives always (laughs) it's never ending it's a journey it's not a destination awful awful. and you think like you know how long i've been working i'm like i i believe myself to be worthy but then something comes up and then i'm feeling low about myself and Mm -hmm. i feel like no i'm never going to be able to achieve that and oh there it is so it's the universe again a situation happens stuff bubbles up instead of stuffing and tucking and saying no no I don't want to deal with that we need to feel into it we need to allow those emotions to come up to be freed instead of stuffing and tucking because you're scared and it's know that it's in the releasing that we are fully supported so when you said people are scared and yeah we do think it's scary but it's we're actually so supported in that process. We are loved by our inner self, our higher self and and the universe at the same time. We are so loved that that stuff's coming out so that we can release it and letting go through the crying, through the screaming, through the punching, whatever the emotions, yeah, how that comes up for you is that express it in whatever way that is express it, allow it to release from your physical self, your emotional self, allow it to go. And then once it's gone, it's gone. That's right. And we I are a constant think... work in progress, constant yes. that never changes. Yes, yes. And as we just said, we can't say that it's not going to come up again. It's no, probably, of there's course. another going to be a situation that comes up and triggers it again. But it's important that we deal with it, feel into it, allow it to come up, think about why it's coming up. So mm-hmm. it was like it was some stuff for, as me as a little girl and yeah. like in my house. And I was like, what the heck? Like, it's <laughs> memories, it's memories that are stored and, and they form the belief system, uh-huh. the programming, the patterns, the habits that we have are so ingrained in our unconscious and subconscious mind that we have to allow when these opportunities to come up, we have to allow to feel those and to let them go and then let them go, like feel into them for as long as you need to, and then let them go. Yeah, That's they're important. gone. That's it. Let them float off. And again, <laughs> yes. more, more are going to come up. Undoubtedly more are going to come up at different points in your life. Mm-hmm. So let the old ones go once you've dealt yes. with them and move on. That's it. Yes. Right. Yes. How long have you been a happiness coach, happiness life coach, Teresa? Well, I've been on my happiness journey for 10 years now, but as a coach, I would say it's been the last two or three years. Okay. And so other than your own personal journey, how did you come to realize or discover that there was a serious need for this type of coaching? It's not that I, I looked into, oh, I called myself that. And then I discovered that it was a thing that there's lots of like types of life coaching. And then there was 
you could actually become certified in, in happiness life coaching. So then I did all of the training, right. which it added an additional component to all the principles and practices that I had already been practicing for myself. Okay. That again, the universe at the very right time, it's all that divine timing brought the right practitioner to me. And it's about being open, that's Brad. Right. So that's another a message is that, you know, a lot of times things come in and, you know, whether it's a doctor, whether it's a coach, whether it's a religious person, a leader, whether it could be a friend, who knows what it's important for us to just say yes. Trust and allow. And instead of say, no, no, that's not for me. Oh no, mm-hmm. that that's weird. Oh no, who's who's doing? I'm not going to therapy. No, we have to just remove all that and saying, if the universe is bringing this to you right now, because it's for you for some type of healing. I've had I had a Sherpa work with me, and I'm like, oh, what this guy's gonna do. <laughs> it's like I can work with you, and I'm like. Okay, sure. And of course, more healing came up. It's like he asked certain questions, all of a sudden bubbling up all full of emotion. And I thought, wow. And it was only a one time I had another person, you know, with a crystal, oh, I do this thing with a pendulum. And I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. sure. Again, (laughs) more. Like it's, and so it's important for us to just be open to it because these things are coming in for a reason. I was just going to say these things are put in front of you for a reason. And I can remember my dad always said, what's meant for you will not go by you. And those are such incredibly powerful and wise words. I live by those words now. It's like, as when I was younger, when he would say that, yeah, yeah, whatever. Sure, sure. I don't believe you. And of course, as we get older, we realize that, you know what, our parents know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> they've, they've lived, right? It, it's true. They've lived. They know. They've experienced things that we haven't experienced yet. Mm-hmm. So those mm-hmm. words always stick in my head. Yes. Always. Yes. Yeah, I love those ones because it's not only the bad things, but it's the good things. Yes, too, that's right. right? That's and right. the other one that I love complimentary to that is one by Rumi that says what you are seeking is seeking you. Mm. And so what, again, what, as you know, we're striving and looking for things for, you know, goals, aspirations, that type of thing, they are also seeking us at the same time. And so because it go ties into the one that you said is that they're meant for us. And yeah. so that's why they're also seeking us. Absolutely. So, and on a higher level, let's say, or our higher selves is that, what we're seeking that we may not be aware of because it's, it, it's, you know, deep within us is also seeking us too. So if we're seeking that healing is on a deeper level is yeah. that, you know, the teacher will appear when the student is ready. That's right. That's right. And, Very and vice versa that, that as the teacher appears, the student appears for you too, that as a coach, all the people that I've worked with, it's so cool. Again, Brad, all the people that I've worked with are meant for me because yep. they're looking at me as the teacher in that situation. But they're also helping me as a teacher because so the student appears for me so that I can also reinforce these concepts that I need to hear. This is what, you know, me. You learn from, from it too. As you're teaching, yes. you learn from those lessons as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's often things that you need to remind yourself of. Yes. Of. 100%. So it's very cool that they come into my life and it's like, oh, I'm having blocks and, and you know, this and that. And, you know, I'm doing this through Reiki, let's say, mm-hmm. and I'm doing the energy healing and, it's the stuff that's coming up for them is the same stuff that needs healing within myself. And I'm like, this is so cool that you've come here for me, but this has been so healing for me because it's stuff that I need to hear or, and then in the, in the speaking to them, it's stuff that you forget, right? We all need reminders. That's why it's like, when I say I've been on this journey for 10 years is that it's constant work. 
Absolutely. It's consistent work. It's mm-hmm. dedication. It's not like, oh yeah, you go, you know, you do it for a week and then it's like, oh, this doesn't work. No, it's all the time. And, you know, that's where, you know, leads me into talking about, you know, all of us need to have a happiness toolkit that we know that has things in it, tools and strategies and objects or whatever those things could be that help us to realign with the love, peace and happiness that we are. And so I haven't yet really defined how I see happiness, but happiness is our essential nature. It's the core of who we are, along with love and peace. So when we are born into this world, we are love, peace and happiness. And we see that in children, we see how they embody love, peace and happiness. We see how they embody curiosity, and this idea of limitless possibilities, that when they go to that pot drawer, that Tupperware drawer, and they take things out and spoons become a wand, and a sword, and a drumstick, and the pot there, it's limitless for them. Right, imagination. We we are that, Brad. But then the world very slowly takes us away from that and has us feeling a whole bunch of other things about ourselves and about the world, and we lose that. And so we lose it, but it's always inside us. We go back to that narrative of you've got to do this and all these things you're conditioned to believe that you have to do as an adult. We forget about being a child and and we need to get back to that innocence every now and then and just have fun and live life and enjoy it as a kid. Be be that little kid. It's okay. But some people are, oh, you're acting like a little kid. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Why are you behaving that way? And no, there's nothing wrong with it. It's innocence. And you need to do that to keep your mind happy, keep your body happy, keep your soul, as you said, that peace, that joy, that happiness, it's all part of it. Mm -hmm. It's all inside us. Mm -hmm. It's all inside us. And so it's always a matter of coming back to who we really are. And so happiness for me is like a two sided coin. One side of the coin is if you're not feeling happy, there could be blocks that are preventing you from feeling the happiness that's always inside you to feel if happiness is a state of being not a state of mind. Lots of us talk about happiness as a state of mind. Because again, as I said, we're conditioned to think that that spiritual self doesn't exist, but it exists in the being of who we are. And happiness is that along with love and peace, we embody those things. And so as I said, one side is there could be blocks that are preventing you. The other side is, are you making time to connect with the happiness that's inside you? Are you making time to utilize that happiness toolkit of Mm -hmm. things that you know work for you that help you to connect to the happiness inside you so this again is an important point is that the things in your happiness toolkit are not providing you the happiness so the going out with friends the going to the movies the going to the restaurants the like all the things that let's say the pandemic took away from us yes Okay. People, mm-hmm. Oh, I can't go to sporting events. How am I gonna, like? My, how am I going to be happy if I can't do any of these things? No, the things, the activities are not providing you the happiness. The things are providing you the opportunity to tap into the happiness that's always there inside you to feel. So this summer, when I couldn't sit outside on a patio, I sat outside in my backyard, having my drink there, looking at the nature in my, and I felt equally as happy. Brad, there you go. My happiness goes with me. It's yes. in my happiness. Bubble it goes with you everywhere you go. 
Excellent. And so it's not the patio that provides the happiness. It's the happiness is inside you. So what happens is when we are participating in those things that are in our happiness toolkit, all the time, we are very in the moment when we are participating in those things. So if we are cooking and we feel so happy, if we are dancing, we feel so happy, if we're listening to music and that's and songs that we love and we feel so happy. When we hang out with certain people, we feel so happy. When I'm drawing, when I'm painting, when all those things is that we are very in the moment, which is where happiness is found. It's found in the present moment. So when we are completely there, in the moment, feeling inspired, appreciating what that moment is giving us. Do we feel the happiness that's inside of us always to feel? So it's important for us to detach from the activity because okay. people think it's the activity. It's not the activity. Is that the activity is allowing you to tap into the happiness that's always inside of you to feel. So my happiness toolkit actually expanded with the pandemic because things that I thought brought me happiness before got taken away, let's say. So mm -hmm. then I had to replace them with other things right. that all of a sudden brought me lots of happiness too. And I'm like, yeah. wow, this is so cool. But now I got a chance to explore other things that helped me to feel the happiness that's inside of me to always feel when I make time. So back to the coin is that, are you making time to connect? So if you are working 60 to 80 hours a week, and you reach the end of the week and you're miserable, you have a headache, you're cranky, you're complaining, all these things. Did you make time to connect to the happiness? And you say, oh, my, I'm not happy with my life. No. <laughs> Who would no. be working that much and not taking time for you? Yes. To connect to that happiness. You didn't exercise. You didn't go for the walk. You didn't play with your kids. You didn't play with your dog. You didn't go on a hike. You didn't dance. You didn't do, you didn't cook. You, you didn't, didn't listen to music. Nothing. Yes, it's so important that we make time to connect to the happiness inside of us. Otherwise, no, we're not going to get to the end of the week and feel happy with our life. No. Absolutely. Lovely. I love that you said all the amazing. It's so true. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. Teresa, what lights you up the most or is the most inspiring part for you personally about the work you're doing? Thank you. In everything that I do, it's always about how may I serve? How may I serve? How may I serve? With all of the hats that I wear, it's how can I make a positive difference in the lives of the people that, that I can touch through this medium? So as an educator, always how I've been teaching 25 years this year. I love my job. It's why I continue to teach in a part-time capacity because it is really one of the direct ways that you can have an impact on people's lives at these the students that I work with will one day become adults and, and be who they need to be in the world. And so it's a, how can I make a positive difference through my writing? How can I share, you know, what I've learned to potentially help other people through any of the vehicles that I, that I, and through my show, that's like, for me, it's a huge vehicle that where my show is, is going to and, and how it's expanding is that the, the message that I share through my coaching writing and, and speaking is reaching a greater audience to try to help others to understand that happiness is not outside of them. It's not outside of their reach. They don't have to spend thousands of dollars, you know, going on a luxurious vacation to feel happy or to, to buy very expensive things to feel happy. It's none of those things that when you False. realize that you don't have to earn happiness, buy happiness, pursue happiness, be deserving 
of happiness. You know, many people feel they don't deserve to be happy. Yes. <gasps> that one is heartbreaking to mm, me. It is. And that they think that they have to do a whole series of things before they deserve it. It's like at the end, is they can earn like a medal of happiness because they've gone through the trenches, let's say, and then I'm able to deserve it. No, no. And so if I can get anybody to understand that happiness is, is there inside of them always to feel at any moment when they want to tap into that, that they can is like, is my life mission now to try to help. <laughs> and that's why I've become a, a coach and a motivational speaker. And, and that I want to hold workshops and I want to go and fly to different and why I'm doing my PhD on happiness that I'm embarking on this year as well is that I want to dive in even deeper into like the science around all of the principles and practices that I talk about that it, it's already there, although I know the practices work, but some people are like, well, I want to know the science, the science is all there too. And so it's so that I can continue to help others to understand that happiness is within their grasp. As I said, a universal goal, let's say of the of anyone, if you ask, ask them, what do they just want to be? It's happy at yeah. the end of it. At the end of it, all they just want to be happy. And so going back to your question, why did you want to be happiness coach? Because of that, it's something that unites all of us, right? It's not business coaching where only some people, you know, want to have their own business and things like that. Happiness is something Universal. that we all, we all want. Doesn't matter where you live on this planet. We all want to be happy. And yeah, if I can help people to feel more of that inside of them, then that is my whole purpose. Why I do a lot of stuff. I don't get paid for it either because it's just about making a positive difference. And if I can touch even one person's life, like even through this podcast today, if I can touch even one person's life to help them to, to change their mindset about, about where happiness is and, and who they really are and helping them to come home to themselves, then it makes everything that I do worthwhile. It makes my life worthwhile. And all of the writing and everything I do, it's, I really think it's part of the legacy that I'll leave behind. My legacy is definitely in my children. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely in them. That is my greatest happiness my my greatest work is in my it doesn't matter all the other things that I do my children are always my very first priority my work is them helping them to be who they were meant to be and it's not who this is a, you know par parents want them to be who they want them to be yeah, I want them right. to be a lawyer and a doctor and an accountant and all these things I went no no it's not about us it's about helping them to be who they are supposed to be in this That's lifetime. Right. How can we as parents assist them to discover who their true and authentic selves are so that they can make the difference in the world that they're supposed to make in this lifetime? And so my greatest work is definitely them. That's my legacy. But then also in, let's say, you know, in other ways, it would be through my books that I, that, you know, I have three co-authored books that I'm a part of, and then I'll have my own book that will come out after my PhD. I was ready to come out and then the PhD opportunity came and, I'm, and the universe is like, no, Teresa, it's not able to come not out time yet. yet. Yeah. There's a little bit more you have to put in there. And I'm like, okay, okay. So yes, I am sad about that. It, it, it'll be entitled the steps to true happiness. So it looks like I have to add a little bit more to it. So that's fine. And then whatever books come out even after that and the, and the magazines that I write for and, and my show, right? The internet, we know that yeah. once we put something out on the internet, it's, it's always it's there. there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's always there in some way. So, you know, it'll have, I'll have legacy out that way too, of, of trying to make a positive difference in whatever way that I can. Thank you so That's much it. for your question. No, 
I mean, that's, that's what life's about is impact, having impact and being able to give back and leaving this earth a better place than how we found it. Right. That's having impact. There is no better feeling than knowing you've impacted someone else's life in a positive way. It's amazing. And you do that too with your podcast, Thank you. right? Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's an incredible feeling to be able to give back to people and have that sense of community and to know that I have given back to someone and impacted their lives in a positive way. Honestly, there's not enough words to describe how incredible that feels. And that's really what life is all about is yes, happiness, but that happiness also comes from having impact, yes, right? It it's, it's amazing. It it's truly incredible. Yeah. Teresa, you have your five steps to happiness. Can you tell us very briefly about each of those five steps and how important it is to implement these into your everyday life and ritual? Thank you. So there are many steps that as I, as I go back to that coin that I, I would say help to remove the blocks to you mm-hmm. feeling the happiness that's inside of you. And so these are my top five, though, that I feel, I mean, they all impact, they all have an impact, but I feel like they're the top five for me. And so the first one is meditation. As I said, meditation was that very first practice that helped me to connect with a part of myself that I wasn't connecting with. So that's that my spiritual self, which is where, as we talked about, our superpowers reside, our invincibility, us as powerful creators, the fact that we are whole, healed, and complete is all in that part. Our, I call it our inner magic is all okay. in there. I like that. And thank you. And that we can do magical things when we, when we, and when we live from that space. That is the work that I'm doing is that how do I live from that space everywhere that I go, because that's the part of me that I want to be in this world is that magical me. Oh my God. It's the secret in us too, Brad, because again, it's like, oh, we're not supposed to talk about it's weird and woo woo. Well, it's actually (laughs) the secret. It's the secret to, to living our extraordinary life is tapping into that part of us, the secret part of us. So meditation for me, is that gateway practice to do that. Okay. It has, I'm a, I'm a meditation coach and a spiritual coach as well. So, you know, we could talk about meditation, a whole show about that. But just to sum it up, as I said, it is, I, for me, that gateway practice, it helps us to connect to that part of ourselves. Okay. It helps us to connect with the love, peace and happiness inside of us. Love, peace and have peace. You feel it right away when you meditate. Love, you feel it right away. You feel all of it as soon as you you can. That essential part of us, the, the being part of us is in that. So yeah. that then, when I connected to that part of myself and the love part of myself, it then extends into step number two, which is self-love. So okay. as soon as you connect to the love that you are as soon as I went into that space I was like oh my god there's so much love in here and I've been searching outside of myself for love and everybody else trying to get everyone else to love me and appreciate me and accept me and revere me and all those things meanwhile I was love already and all I needed to do was to tap into that love when we tap into that love then we can understand all the ways we are not loving ourselves. So as soon as I tapped into the love inside me, I was like, wow, I am not loving myself mentally. I am filled with tons of negative self-talk where I am my worst enemy instead of my greatest cheerleader. 
I am telling myself all the negative things that were ever said to me that are all like in my subconscious or are unconscious that I say to myself on repeat, right? Every time I look in the mirror, you're never pretty enough. Every time I try something on, you're never skinny enough. Every time I put something in my mouth again, you know, what are you eating? You're not going to be skinny, like all of these things. And so when you tap into that love, as I said, then it allows you to see how are you loving yourself in the other aspects? Are you loving yourself in your relationships? Or should you be putting up barriers between those that are actually more toxic to you than helpful for you? Are you loving yourself physically? You're taking care of your body the way that you need to. Are you polluting yourself with processed foods, alcohol, drugs, all of those things? Because when you love yourself, you will not treat your body like that. Right. Because you love yourself. Your body is your temple that carries. I have so much reverence for what my body, the miracle that my body is now that I would never want to hurt it. All I want to do is take care of it because it carries me around and it helps me to do all the things that I want to do every day. I want to try to keep my body in like top perform because I love it so much for everything that it does. Our bodies are honestly so miraculous. All the processes that happen all the time to keep us alive and to keep us safe and to keep it and to keep us healthy, that our body is constantly healing itself to keep us healthy. And why would I want to impede that healing? And if I know sleep helps in its healing, of course, I'm going to go and have sleep. Of course, I'm not going to give it alcohol, which is really a toxin. And my body right away tries to flush it out of it, uh, out of its system because it's not good for it. Our bodies are amazing. And we hurt it in so many ways. We hurt it. So again, the self-love is so important because it helps us to recognize the ways that we're not loving in ourselves and and to try to make changes. Number three is gratitude. Gratitude research has shown this. It's directly correlated with happiness. As soon as we start to become grateful for all the small things that are going right in our life, all of a sudden we feel better. So we have a negative bias. Our brain does that. It's set ought to be on negative. And everybody commiserates and and talks about all the bad things that are happening. It's like a community thing. Misery loves company. Right? And Mm -hmm. it's like you go in and the water cooler or the coffee thing (laughs) and everyone's there chiming in about how their life is, you know, their partner's the worst, the boss is the worst, their client's the worst. For um, for me, it was the students the worst, the parents the worst, on and on. I'm like, I want no part of this because as soon as I come into into this situation, I feel awful. So I- 100%. Right. And so gratitude, when we start to focus on all the small things, for me, it starts the moment I wake up in the morning and I have another day to live. When you practice gratitude and it becomes a habit, it's all day long, Brad. It's absolutely. It's my coffee. It's my lunch. It's my computer. It's my washing machine. It's my dish. When I'm putting my clothes in my washing machine, I'm like, oh, thank God I have this machine. (laughs) (laughs) Be washing them by hand. Yes. Thank you. When I put the the stuff in the dishwasher and I push the button to start, thank you that I have this machine that's going to wash all these dishes for me. Make my life easier. Yes, my coffee maker. Thank you that it's only going to take a minute for the, for my coffee to brew. And I just have to put a puck in. Thank you. And then I go to the fridge. Oh, thank you. I have my cream in my fridge today that I haven't run out. It's on. It's the parking spot near the front door. Yeah. It's my warm winter coat right now. It's like on and on and on. People would say, Teresa, that's all you do is say thank you. I'm like, I know, but 
it's what I do. I just say, I'm like, thank you, thank you. All day I long. love it. I love it. When I had my radio show, my producer's like, you may want to tone it down on the thank you because every time they say something, you're like, thank you. But I'm like, I know, but I'm so appreciative of what they've just said and what they've shared. So it's like, yes, thank you so much for saying that. Thank you. <laughs> and so it does, it becomes part of who you are. And then because it's directly correlated with happy, it does make you feel happier. And everything is energy. Yes. It is by that energy vibrating at the same vibration as love. And so as soon as we start to to feel thankful, we raise our vibration, we raise how how we feel. And so a strategy, for example, is is that what people can do is they can have a, a picture that can remind them of the things that they are grateful for. So whether it's on their phone, whether it's in their wallet or back pocket or whatever, if you're feeling anxious and upset, angry, whatever, quickly look at that picture, take that picture out and look at it and start to be thankful for all the things that you've selected that picture for a reason, right? So, you know, maybe it's a picture of your family in front of your house or on vacation or wherever it is. And you start to look at that picture and say, wow, look at my son. He's so incredible. He's like, he's such a good person and he's so funny and he's so caring and lighthearted and look at our beautiful home. Oh my goodness. And right away, when you start to remind yourself, you will feel in that moment of anger, frustration, anxiety, whatever it is that you're feeling, it immediately pulls you away because we cannot feel more than one emotion at the same time. So if you are feeling grateful, you cannot feel angry, and frustrated and any of those other things that you were feeling just a moment before you started to practice gratitude. Gratitude, if we practice it in the morning, releases 1400 neurochemicals in the body that last for six hours. So if we take just even a couple minutes in the morning to talk about or or to think about all of the things that you're grateful, and I'm talking really go into it, like don't like make one session where if if you're thankful for your partner, don't stop thankful for No, think about all the little things that you're thankful for about your partner, that he brings you a coffee when he comes home, when he picks up the groceries, when he grabs the kids, when he tells you you look beautiful today, when he like really go in to like, you know, and then maybe it's like each of your, it's your kids really go in, not just I'm thankful for my kids. No, think about as for as long as you can, all the little things that you love about your kids, how they make you laugh, their sense of humor, how they're like helpful, like each kid is so different, right? So really go into like, what you love about each and right away, you can see it's like, it bubbles up the love inside of you that immediately makes you feel so good. And as I said, physiologically, it releases a whole bunch of uh, neurochemicals and hormones like oxytocin. I always mix it with oxytocin Oxy- is like, it can oh. also be the other thing, which is a drug. So oxy, um, <laughs> which is a happiness hormone and uh, dopamine and serotonin, all of them all release. Those are love and happiness hormones that automatically get released into the system. So we start to feel happier as soon as we do that. So number four is being in the now being in the present moment is where we feel happy, we can tap into the happiness if we are present to every moment in our life but we are often not, we are living in the past. Most of the time, 95% of the time we're in the subconscious mind and 95% of that is us living in the past. If that's right. what's recycled. 
60 to 70,000 thoughts a day, 95% of them are the ones that were from the day before and the day before that and the day before that. It just recycles over and over and over. The brain is a machine. Yeah, it's a machine. It's designed to control this amazing body that I said, like, it is controlling everything without us thinking about it, us breathing, us digesting, pumping the blood around pumping the hormones, pumping the neuro, whatever, it's all doing it without us even thinking about it. So our mind is the same way. It's just recycling the same thoughts. So it's that's why people say I have a hard time meditating because they can't stop the mind because it just keeps bringing in either what you have to do. So it's either thinking about the future, or thinking about the past all of a lot of times it's the mistakes, the regrets, the wish I was, I wish it went differently, the guilt, the shame, all of that stuff that tries to creep in all the time to ruin the present moment. Brad, what I am working on like right now, because I pick on things that I feel like I need to, to improve on is living in the present moment. So people talk about mindfulness, right? Absolutely. Mindfulness helps us to bring ourselves to the present moment by attuning all of our five senses to what gift this moment is providing us. So the person that you're having this meeting with, so right now I'm very much appreciating this time with you being very present here. When we attune all of our senses to like, what am I hearing? What am I feeling on my skin? What am I smelling with, with my nose? What am I like all of that? It enhances the meal that you're eating. Oh my God. It's like, you know, many people eat with their phones in their hand. Oh yeah. I know. Or watching TV or on the computer, watching videos, they reach the end of the meal. They don't even know how it tastes. 100%. That's crazy. (laughs) When you think about that, like that, right? Yeah. And it's like, why would you do that? If you sat down to have a a nice sandwich, why wouldn't you want to sit there and really savor all the flavors and 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 appreciate what you're Uh having? It's like, what like no i but eat these are so- such small things that we don't even <laughs> think about like that's crazy to me that yeah. i've never really thought about it that way i mean when i sit down and eat i don't i don't typically watch tv or i just sit and eat but <laughs> the, you're right the amount of people that do that and i never thought about it that way mm-hmm. you're not being in that moment fully where you are enjoying the food that you're putting into your body and tasting mm-hmm. actually t- that's <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> when you think about it that way or the coffee. Like I love the coffee that I have uh, first thing in the morning. I appreciate the taste of it. Like every sip I'm like, "Mm, this is so good. Mm, This is so good. Like I really appreciate. So sometimes I feel like having a second cup because I've appreciated the first one. I don't appreciate the second one as much. And I'm like, no, I'm only going to have the first one because the first one (laughs) tastes so good to me. You can't talk that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't. And so I'm like, no, I'm not going to have a second one because I end up throwing it out because I just, I, it's just not the same. So yes, we have to be very present to and be appreciative of what each moment is showing us. And what I'm noticing, so this is what I'm working on is I'm very conscious of not allowing the past to ruin my present moment. So what happens is an opportunity comes and we, again, the way our brain operates because it's trying to keep us safe, it informs the present moment. So let's just say an opportunity for me to speak somewhere comes comes uh, about. My past will say, 
no, maybe, you know, it's not going to work out for you, you know, don't do that. Oh, no, you know, someone told me that I'll never amount to anything. No, it in the past, it's like when I tried this, it failed. No, somebody ripped you off. So no, no, don't go for this. So it's like all of the past comes in and then that present moment, which is filled with possibilities, as I said, children understand that every moment is limitless. Every moment can provide you with infinite possibilities, Brad. But what we do, we say no, because right. the past tells us it didn't work. So what, and it does all the time. And so that I once had someone say to me, they're telling me about this opportunity. And I said, no, well, you know, I had five other people tell me they could do this, for me, that they can make it, you know, different. And he's like, that's like bringing a bad relationship into this one and saying that this one's not going to be any good because it wasn't good with any of those. I'm like, yes, that's true. So yeah. what I'm trying to do is when some, when I'm here and present and this moment filled with possibilities and, and a negative thought a limiting thought, a sabotaging thought comes into this to try to tell me it's not going to be filled with possibilities. I say, stop, stop. You don't understand how many times our brain does that. The past creeps in to ruin the infinite possibilities that this moment can provide. If I stay here, if I stay here. And another thing, just back with the happiness is that the biggest indicator of how happy we will be in the future is how happy I can be now. So what happens is people think again, because happiness is a journey, right? Yeah. And a destination, it's something in the future. So I can't be happy until I get that job, pay for my mortgage, find my perfect person, all those things. So they, yeah. they put off happiness. So the biggest predictor of how happy you will be in the future is how happy you can be now, which means that you need to be happy at every moment, right. every moment, happy, happy, happy that as you are climbing this mountain to happiness, yeah. <laughs> that what you want to be is happy at every moment so that when you get to the pinnacle of that mountain, you're like, oh. It's fine. Thank you. So I'm so glad I reached it, but I've been happy this entire time. The whole journey. Right? That's Mm -hmm. what we want to be. And so we don't allow the past to ruin the present moment. Then we can, we can absolutely guarantee that our future will be happy because we've been happy every moment until that point. Every step of the way. Yes. So being present is not just mindfulness. It's about not allowing the past to ruin the happiness that we can feel and the endless possibilities that this moment can provide. Beautiful. And step number five is following your bliss. And so that ties into when we talked about having a happiness toolkit of things that you know, help you to tap into the happiness inside of you and making sure that you schedule time to do so if you are really, really busy. And that, like I said, if you're that 60 to 80 hour a week person that you have to then schedule in time to participate in those things that are in your kit. So if it's those motivational books, if it's the videos, if it's the podcasts, if it's the playlist that I have on my phone, that immediately I know as soon as I put those songs on, I'm like, and I call it my feel good song. That's my playlist. (laughs) I love it. Right. As soon as I put my, I'm like, yes, yes. And you feel, and I love dancing. So as soon as I put it in, it's like, it's all of a sudden my body starts moving and I can't (laughs) help but start dancing with it too. And it makes you automatically, I feel my vibration rising. So like, just as an example, last night I had a really long, long day. And then during dinner, I listened to a station where they have this like drive at five and they have this, you know, it's on and on songs and songs. And it was exactly like the songs from the, like, 
early 2000s. And so it's like, oh my God. And right away I felt so good, even though at six o'clock I had to start working again. But I went into my six o'clock feeling completely different. Like I was feeling so drained. And then after listening and dancing and moving my body, I was like so energized. I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. I need to do this more often. And because I felt so good and it actually motivated me to continue with all the work that I had to do afterwards. So that for me, it's exercise. It could be hiking. It could be drawing. It could be cooking. But when we are doing those things, be present. And what, you know, athletes and and musicians, you know, they call it being in the zone. When you are in the zone and you're really, you're connected with your spiritual self. You're connected to that energy inside of you, your higher self source the universe like you're connected to all of that it's all energy and you can feel it just permeating through like your your entire body and and even like beyond we can't yes. see it. sometimes yeah. i wish we had like special goggles that we could <laughs> put on and to see the energy that's radiating from everybody it right? would be incredible because yeah, you know those people that like when you they come into a room, you're like, whoa, who's this person? Because you can or that when energy. you listen to a speaker or something, yeah, you can just feel like their energy is just like yep. radiating. Well, in the same way that we can feel people that are low vibrational. Yes, that's right. That angry and miserable. Yeah. Just like you're just like, oh, you want to avoid them because you can feel it, right? Yeah. It's the same. Is that when we are so tapped into our bliss. That's how it is. We're just feeling like so good. So it's important that when you are participating in something, when you are present, and then you can acknowledge that this is something that makes you feel good because you're tapping into your happiness by doing that. Again, it's not the activity. It's you feeling the happiness that the activity is providing you to feel is that make note of it. Right. Like, oh, so when I said that my happiness toolkit actually expanded because then I had I had made time for things I didn't have time for before because we were in lockdown, mm-hmm. many, we couldn't go anywhere. Like so, I was like, oh wow, let me try this, let me try that, let, and I I discovered that there were other things that made me feel really good when I did them, and so those are all added to your toolkit. So why I'm saying this is important because. There are empty nesters, for example, that get to that point. Now their kids are gone and, and you're like, oh my God, you're so lucky. You have all this time now to do all the things you love. They say, I don't know what I love. They don't actually know what. The yeah, because they've because- been so focused on yes. the kids and not, and nothing else, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. in, not finding the things that make them happy. And, yes. you know, it makes me laugh too. You hear these people that say, you know, I can't wait till I retire so I can travel. <laughs> well, why the fuck are you waiting till you retire to travel? If that's what you want to do, fucking do it. Why are you yeah. waiting? Because yeah. there's no promise that you're going to make it yeah. till you retire or that when you retire, you'll, you'll be able to, in terms yeah. of being fit enough or yes. well enough to travel. Why not fucking do it now? It's, it's crazy how much we put off because we can't, as you said, these things, I can't be happy till I have this and this yeah. and this and this and go through this process. It's crazy. It's mm-hmm. absolutely crazy and heartbreaking at the same yes. time. Yes. Yes. Or our lives are so wrapped up to, into other people's, yes. again, that you don't know. So like these, you know, these moms, for example, where their happiness was in their kids' activities, yes. in their kids' like parents, friends of mm-hmm. kids' parents, and, and all their life revolved around that, that then they reach a point, they're like, I don't even know what I like to do. So then they have to go on this like whole exploratory process of discovering, rediscovering yeah. themselves. Yeah. Because as I said, when I said I had lost myself, 
in the living of my life. I'm not alone in that, that in that situation, you have lost yourself because now it's coming home to who you are and discovering what are those things that, that fire you up and fuel you and energize you. And Brad, again, your emotional self helps you to identify, as I said, happiness as a, as a compass is that when you feel energized and excited, it's like you're vibrating yeah. all over, right? Yep. And those mm-hmm. are all this. It's so cool. It is. It's, it's incredible. Right? How your body is commuting, your emotional self too, because you're feeling so excited is that all of it is saying, yes, you're on purpose while you're doing this. Yes, this is who you were meant to be. Yes, this is the life that you imagined yourself living. But then you have people too that don't even like their own company. They don't like being by themselves. I think that's horrible too. How can you not like being on your own and enjoy your own company? You have to do that before anything else. It's so sad. The greatest relationship you will ever have is the one with yourself. That's right. We have to to realize that. And it starts with, yeah, starts with being alone Mm -hmm. with yourself and and appreciate all of the, all the work that we've been talking about on this entire episode is all that getting to a place, but it's, when you go there and you feel the love that you are and the peace that you are in the happy, you're just like, wow, I didn't know yes. that all of this was inside. Me. It's life changing. 100%. Mm-hmm. It's like a switch gets flipped and it's like, yes. holy shit, I've been missing out on this, this whole <laughs> time. Like, yes. wow. You know, it, it's crazy. Teresa, what do you think that your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? Thank you. I believe my superpower is teaching. Mm. As I said, I've been an educator for 25 years and never feels like work to me ever. I know on a soul level because of the work that I've done that I am a lighthouse. I love that. That is amazing. What an analogy. I love it. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. And that I, I, I am a light that's shining from that lighthouse, beaming out and guiding people home to who they are. That as an educator, you know, when I've stood at the front of the line with kids behind me and I'm guiding them wherever it is. And, and with the work that I do as a tech consultant, I work with special education students too, that they have low self-esteem, low self-confidence because kids are mean they and are. they have challenges. You know, they, life is hard and all of that. And I have to remind them of who they really are. It's like, just because you have issues with spelling, just because you're dyslexic, just because like, it doesn't mean anything. Right. You are still amazing. You are still incredible like that. Just because you're going to need tools that are going to help you for writing or for reading, that doesn't mean anything. No. We all have tools that we need to help us to do like some of us have memory issues if I didn't have my phone (laughs) to put and to have even like the notification to come on that says like being you have something to do in 10 minutes like I I would be lost so if we all have tools that we We do to rely on because we have strengths and weaknesses we are all unique and special even what we call weaknesses they're not actually but we, because we live in this world of duality, it's like things are good and bad and, and great and not, and, and yucky and, mm-hmm. and whatever is that we, you know, we have opposites for things, but really they're not. They're just differences. That, yes. And all unique and beautiful and perfect all is as they are. And so perfectly imperfect. Yes, that's right. That's right. And so, yes, my, I feel my superpower is, is teaching and to share 
a, a message. And, you know, as an educator, I shared lots of messages around tech and curriculum. And now as a coach, I'm able to share about, you know, the principles and practices that I talk about that mean very much to me. And they exemplify who I really am and what I believe in. And I integrate these things into all of the aspects, like with all the work that I do with the students, I integrate it always there helping, hoping that they will feel like special and seen you know, yeah, you and, I were and kind of heard talking about that and heard, and heard right? yes, that because so, really that's all we want is to be yeah. seen and heard <laughs> truly. Yes, right? It's I, right. I love, that's I right. love it. I love your analogy of a lighthouse. I think that's beautiful. Teresa, how do you define the word success? What does that word mean to you? Mm, thank you. Uh, and that's important for people to think about what does mm-hmm. it mean to say, Oh, I am successful. And for some people, maybe it means that if they're not successful until they earn like a seven, yeah, uh, you know, digit figure or, or whatnot, I would say my success would be in what we talked about with the legacy is that if I can make a difference in in the life of someone else, like one person at a time, I'm gonna get all choked up here. <laughs> one person, if I could help people to to come home to who they really are to know how amazing and incredible and powerful and invincible, as I said, my I would say my greatest work is is my kids the work yeah. that I've done with my kids, if I could help them and then anyone on top of them. If I, For me, they, again, they're the two people that, of course. that, yes. But if I could help anyone on top of that to come home to who they really are, to feel that love, peace, and happiness inside of them, then I will have been successful. I love that. That's so beautiful. So beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. That's Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that. Teresa, what or who, sorry, is who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why? So they're kind of tied together. So I have, I have two spiritual mentors, I call them that because they were the two people that I went to when I started meditating 10 years ago, when meditation was weird and woo woo, again, all with that. But my family thought I was part of a cult. And I didn't talk about it. Because I know you're laughing, but now it's no, so, not, so common, right? And it's yeah. such a buzzword, and, yeah. and everyone is almost like, "Oh, I meditate. I meditate." I'm yes. like, "Oh, I'm so happy for you because I couldn't tell anybody because <laughs> <laughs> I was part of a cult." So I'm so. <laughs> and people, they're like, "Mom, what's wrong? Like, Teresa, like, what are you doing? What are you getting into? Like, maybe you should like, you know, go you need get to talk some to somebody, and, Teresa, right?" And so now it's so, it's so cool to meditate, which I'm so happy because it wasn't like that before. So I'm happy that it's become more popular and more talked about. And I tell people too, like, if you're having a hard time, maybe go to a meditation center, go to a meditation circle where there are people there that can help you to get started. And that's where I went. And so I would say they had a huge impact on me because through them did I get introduced to a whole bunch of authors. Yeah, mostly authors. And because they speak too. So that's why I kind of made you both, but they introduced me to other authors that then made an impact on my life. Wayne Dyer was the author that I initially got started with wrote on read tons of his books. And, and at the time he was still alive and and listened to him speak and, and all of that. And so that's why they're kind of tied together. My spiritual mentors, because they, they continue to impact my life. Um, they helped me to become a Reiki master and, and they, they've helped me to discover parts of myself, but introduced me to a whole bunch of resources and things like that. And so Wayne Dyer would be one of those people mm-hmm. closest to me. It would be my kids. 
Yeah. They are also my greatest teachers. Although I'm a teacher, they are also, they are my greatest teacher. My, my partner as well. Also greatest teacher. The people close to you are your greatest teachers yeah. because they are constantly helping you to learn more about yourself. Always. There are mirrors for you to learn more about yourself. Life is all about our soul came here to learn, grow and expand every opportunity, positive or negative. Often we learn from the negative ones. And I wish we, (laughs) I honestly wish we didn't, but it's through the challenges and the hardship that we learn more about our gifts. That's right. And who we really are through those experiences. So, you know, what's very cool is that, you know, with my show, it's that people have gone through some really hard things, which I'm sure you've heard as well, Mm -hmm. is that they will say, would they change anything about what they had to go through to get to where they are today? And they say no. That's right. Because those are the lessons. Those are what they've learned from and how they've grown and expanded. And I mean, people get stuck in this mindset where, this happened to me and this happened to me and this happened to me. How horrible. No, no, no. These things happen for you, not to. And (laughs) once you can shift that little piece in your head and shift that mindset to realize that things will open wide and change so much for you. When you get into that mindset of this is happening for me, not to me. It's a big piece to get, get your head around though. It's hard. It's not easy. But again, this goes back to doing the work. And this is all looking within and doing that self work and putting in the time and the work and looking within. So yeah, people want to be victims. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Instead of victors. There you go. There you go. That's it right there. I love it. Teresa, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions just be two, three, four word answer type thing. Okay. Okay. What was your dream job as a child? <laughs> it was to be a, a biologist, a marine okay. biologist as a child, because I really loved science and I really loved animals. How would you describe yourself in one word? Vibrant. What was your very first job? Working at an old age home. What would your family and friends list as a couple of your best characteristics? Funny, kind, nurturing, good listener. You came with a warning label. What would yours say? High energy. (laughs) Teresa, if you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? To love themselves. What's one thing you want, but cannot buy with money? Happiness. If you could change one thing about the world, what would you change? I believe if people loved themselves the way that they needed to, they wouldn't do it any of the awful things that they do to others. Again, it goes back to loving themselves. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. What does the word empowerment mean to you, Teresa? It's living your true authentic self. We are powerful creators in that all of us are powerful creators. Empowerment means tuning into that, coming home to that. That's what true empowerment is, us living true and authentically the life that we came here to lead, to be the person that we came here to be. That miraculous, amazing, incredible, awesome person. That's what it is. Love it. What does the best version of you look like when you close your eyes and imagine it? The best version of me is that love, peace, and happiness. It's that. It's that. It's feeling and embodying that energy 
that you can't even explain with words that we all are we all are that we just don't always feel it or tap into that but that is the best version of me of you of all of us we're all that when we go to that space brad everything is connected I understand that you and I are the same energy. We are all one, all of us. And that when I help you, I'm helping myself. And when I help someone close to me, I'm also helping someone on the other side of the planet. Yeah. Because we're all one, we're all part of the same collective. That's what's really cool that people don't recognize that when if they were just to help their family, we don't have to build schools in Africa to do big and grandiose things to make a difference in the world. Yeah. We make a huge difference in the lives of the people closest to us because we are all one. So when we understand that, that we're all part of that same energy that I said that I can't even put into words is that we are helping people on the other side of the planet are also benefiting from the vibration of that I am when I tap into that and I embody that and I feel that that is the best version of me I can't even put it into words because it's it's so much love so much bliss it's all there is it's yeah. that as I go back to those binoculars if we could see that right. right we can't see it with our five senses but it's there it yeah. exists in everything and we are that we are part of that energy I so that it. is the best version of me. Beautiful. Teresa, if you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Marianne Williamson. I okay. find her very inspirational. She's also a student of the Course in Miracles and a teacher of that text. And so I would love to speak with, with her. What is your why, Teresa? My why is that? How may I serve? How can I make a difference? And everything that I do, is, is this going to help someone? Is this going to help someone? Can I help someone? I hope this helps someone. <laughs> <laughs> how, how can I help? How can I help? That is my why is how can I help? How in whatever capacity I, I can do that is how that is my why. Okay. And Yes. Go ahead. No. Go no, that, that in any, yeah. Yeah, as a mother, as, as a daughter, as all of it and all the hats that I wear, it's how can I help? Love it. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Brad, if we didn't lose that love, peace and happiness that we are, that curiosity, that limitless possibility, if we didn't lose that because the world takes us away, has us believing you know, the world is this, the world, life is shit. And then you die, right? This is what yeah. someone said to me at yeah. Costco, life is shit. And then you die. And I said, I'm sorry, like, you're saying that to a happiness coach. And I don't believe that, that that's what it is. But these are the people that we encounter over the course of our life that says this is life on earth, it's hard, it's miserable, and then it takes us away from that. So what I would say to my little self, which I've had to do this inner child work as well, is to remind her of the awesomeness and amazingness and incredible and of the things that people said you were too much or not enough of, right? Teresa, you're too loud. Teresa, you're too energetic. Teresa, Teresa, be quiet. Teresa, slow down. Teresa, don't do that. It's like the essence of you gets like squished out and squandered and pushed down and pushed out. I would tell her to stay steadfast <laughs> and to say that they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> Because those are all beautiful qualities. They're part of who, what make you, you. 
-hmm. Yeah. And to, to have ignored it, to all those things that made me be less or act less than who I was. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Teresa, lastly, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world or your, your tribe, your corner of the world, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What would you tell them? I love the quote by Gandhi that says, be the change that you wish to be in the world. That quote is so powerful because it tells you to be the change. You must be the change and then you will see the change in your outside world. So thank you so much for this question because it brings our whole conversation full circle. When I said that it all begins with you, then if the outside world is chaotic, it's because the inside world is too and you need to work on yourself and then the outside world changes. So if you would, if you wish people were more affectionate, you need to be affectionate first. If you wish people were more respectful, you need to respect yourself first. If you wish people were more loving, you need to love yourself first. If you so, so the, I love that quote, and that would be my thirty second: is you be the change that you wish to see in the world. Because once you embody the change that you wish to see, all of a sudden, miraculously things all correct itself. Like, I don't even know how it happened. It just, it just does all of the problems. They all disappear. All it's like people complain about their kids, about their partner, all of that be the change first. And then you'll see all of a sudden your kids are like angels. Well, maybe not always, (laughs) right. But really, really, it's like, what the heck? When I come home from a long day, all of a sudden, it's not like a whole bomb has gone off. They're sitting on the couch and just like watching TV and doing their homework. And you're like, how did this happen? It happens when you be the change first. I don't like, I, I can't even explain it because it is, it, it is like a miracle, but it's the truth. And I've heard this from other people too, that honestly, you need to be the change instead of pointing your fingers and telling everyone else to change first, and then you'd be happy. Right. See, you know, when you point your fingers, look how many fingers are pointing back at you. Yes. <laughs> right. It's true. Yeah. There's three fingers pointing back at you when you're pointing at someone else. So very well said, Teresa. Thank you so much for sharing your story, your journey, for being so vulnerable and open and emotional. And I am so incredibly grateful for you taking the time to be here today and share your story and your journey. I appreciate you so much. This has been such an incredibly beautiful, thoroughly enjoyable, inspirational conversation. You are a beautiful soul and a beautiful human being. And you just keep doing the amazing work that you're doing and shining your bright, beautiful light from your lighthouse out to everybody else. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for those very kind words. It really touched my heart, Brad. Thank you so much. My pleasure. My honor. I am honored to to have had this time with you and to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. You are an amazing human being. Thank you so much. And I feel the same about you and all the work that you're doing as well. Thank you so much for the honor to be on your podcast and just to share my message. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Teresa Greco. She is a happiness life coach, Reiki master, and an internet TV and radio show host. Thanks so much, Teresa. You have yourself an amazing day. Thank you. Same to you. Thank you. 
Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.